What's up, Phil fans, and welcome to another episode of What the Flick, the show where we rewrite movies that we have seen based only on having watched it. <laughs> uh, I am Matt. I'm J. Robert Mack. And Heimer. Yeah. Uh, and this week we've actually watched a movie. <laughs> What the flick, what the flick, we don't know what a movie is Gonna tell you what we think it's about with the help of the post we figure it out What the flick, what the flick, gonna write a film that already exists We'll be doing it better cause we're so cool and back to two years up in school What the flick, what the flick, we're never gonna watch that shit Got better writers than Steven Spielberg, film directors are all dumb nerds What the flick, what the flick, that's the name of the podcast It's almost time to make some noise, it's time for the poster boys So what the flick, Oh, you're going to do the thing where every time I say the name of the film, you're going to bleep it out. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, yeah, we'll put a big, like, we'll put a big, uh, we'll, we'll put a vine boom in. <laughs> yeah, good. Every time we say, oh, oh there it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, anyway, yeah, so we watched a movie. Yeah, we did. It's very unusual for us. We went to the cinema. Did, we, did you see it in IMAX? Uh, I didn't, Matt. I'd say I saw it on a screen that I think possibly because it was designed for IMAX, I saw it on a screen that I would say seemed smaller than normal. <laughs> it seemed like smaller than a television. <laughs> no, like it was fine, but it was like a lot of the time I was like, this doesn't seem like it's the full width of the screen. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, they, <laughs> I, what, because it was an IMAX like format, they cut off the bits at the end of the screen. I don't know. It just seemed very square. Because IMAX is why is is taller, right? IMAX is squarer. Yeah, I I don't know if that was Paul. It just seemed very square. It seemed like I was watching a Bebo flashbox, but very. It seemed big. like you were watching the Snyder cut of Justice League in four three resolution. More or less, yeah. And with a similar runtime. <laughs> yeah, correct. Uh, Matt, that's good. I want to ask it a very important question. You've, yeah. You've said multiple times you're a man that goes to the cinema quite frequently, but you go at times no one else goes. That's true. How many people were in your screening of all? It was almost full. That's insane. Did you go at a normal like math time in the middle of the day? Or was it yeah, yeah. So we went at 3.30 p.m. <sighs> on Friday afternoon. That seems like the least likely time to have people at the cinema. Like even the early yeah. morning, I'm like, that's like the kind of people who are like, what we'll have the we day thought, off. I thought, I, thought, I was like, well, it's going to be. Obviously, it'll be dead then because no one's out of work. Yeah. All the people who are really keen, the people who've taken the day off, they will have seen the twelve thirty showing. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? But yeah, it was. It was it was pretty it was pretty packed. I know that's like a cold, the coldest take ever, but it does seem like a really like huge almost cultural moment for cinema, doesn't it? Like it's I, a big I, cultural moment. I just don't think it's gonna happen again because it'll be do you know, I I you just know as a fact there's gonna be some shit where like they're gonna release like a fucking I don't know. Hot Wheels or bobbleheads well, or Funko be Pop trying the movie. To do, they're yeah. going to be trying to do this again for like every time now something comes out and there's a comedy and a drama coming out on the same day. Yeah. It'll be like, oh, let's make a portmanteau of these. The Funko Pops assist. <laughs> there we go. The Funko Pops assist. Very good. That's happening. Like, like oh, are you guys going to watch the Funko Pops assist? And everyone's yeah. going to be like, what? What order are you seeing the Funko <laughs> Pop movie and the new Exorcist in? And then we were like, what? <laughs> You've Fuck got off. to stop doing this. You simply must stop. Yeah. When are you going to see the fast and the um, uh, puss and bootsiest? <laughs> yeah. Are we going to see, we're going to see uh, the equalizer and apocalypse clown. <laughs> yeah. Portmanteau. Yeah. 
it's just kind of i just feel like it's it's one of those things that is so unique that people are going to try it again and i think it probably will work a bit for meme culture well you know like you've heard that mattel have got 14 movies in currently in production yeah but they about not- their stupid shitty brands of toy I could be wrong, but they don't also have a contract that the total amount is 45 films, but it's just 14 in production. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And yeah, one of them's Hot Wheels. Yeah, so And someone like Insane is attached to direct Hot Wheels. Yeah, it's Tarantino. It's Tarantino. (laughs) He's coming back. This is going to be his... He said he'd go at nine. Yeah. But this is going to be his 10th film, is Hot Wheels. And there's going to be that inevitable opening the box, opening the something, saying everyone looking in, but it's just a bunch of kids looking at a toy box full of Hot Wheels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, here's the question that I want to ask, because I didn't do the double bill. I didn't do the Barbenheimer, right? I saw... on friday then i saw barbie on sunday Mm -hmm. you did the double bill i did was it shit because i saw both of them and i thought i could not imagine a worse pairing of movies it doesn't matter what order you see them in i can't imagine seeing both of those on the same day and going yeah that was a better experience for having seen both i think if i had watched barbie first and then i think it would have made all are so much more difficult to watch because of the contrast of how high you would have been beforehand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think but I did watch out but crucially we left a two hour gap between the films. Okay. So we didn't go you didn't you know, back our, to back we, di- we didn't go out, get a drink, take a piss, go back in like twenty minutes later. We went out, had McDonald's, had a sit and had a chat about the films. So I think we were able to fully digest our before we got into the Barbie movie. And I think that did help. But I think if I'd watched them back to back, I think I would have been still halfway through Barbie being like, what's the fucking point? (laughs) 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 Everything's gonna go to shit. Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Who gives a fuck about it? We're all gonna die. Do you think (laughs) Physicist Barbie was on the Manhattan Project in in Barbie Land? Almost certainly, yeah. Do you think there's a Barbie Land atomic bomb and Physicist Barbie became death? Yeah. So I have become death, um, sh- shiller of accessories. Yeah. <laughs> um, Atomic bomb Barbie. That's what yeah. I want to see. I want to see. Right. During the Barbie dream house, it's just like one of, you know, one of those little ghost towns that they build to test yeah. nukes. Uh, sorry to go back to there. I think I was saying, but I-, I noticed at the cinema when we were at, it was absolutely bunged full of people. And then, Everyone seemed to leave, and there was so there was a Barbie showing after our film, right? But we thought we wanted the gap, you know. Yeah, nobody seemed to go to it. Like nobody from our cinema seemed to stay around. Everyone fully seemed to clear out after all. So I don't know how many people did actually do the double. Did actually do the double bill? Yeah, well, because it's a bad idea, and also because it's literally five hours in the cinema. Yeah, I will say this about the cinema going experience. Um, I think I enjoyed Barbie a considerable amount more than Oppenheimer, but the crowd in Barbie were nearly intolerable. Oh, really? Okay, because the yeah. crowd in Barbie, the Barbie was not busy for yeah. us. Yeah, ours I mean, was pretty busy, and we were watching it like half ten at night. We watched a pretty late showing; like we got out at like nearly one a.m. Yeah, but yeah, like, and it wasn't like there wasn't like people in costume stuff, or like there were, or there were some people like obviously and dressed up. That wasn't there was no annoyance with that. But what annoyed me was. When the film started, I could see... I was right in the back row. I could see 
counting 12 different people all took their phones out and just held them up until the Barbie logo came on screen. Jesus Christ. And I was like, you, you're fucking monsters. Monsters. Yeah. Monsters. And like, what what are you getting out of this? Like, what are you getting from this that you couldn't just say, I'm watching Barbie? Like, yeah, you, quite. No one's going to save that photo and be like, Jesus Christ, you'll never guess. Katrina was watching the Barbie film. <laughs> I know because there's a picture here of the word Barbie. there's a picture on our Instagram story. Yeah. It's just, it was a mad thing. And then when the film ended, before they even got to the credits, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know the last joke that happens, the very last thing a Margot Robbie says? Before that had yes. even happened, two people in front of me were taking selfies with the Barbie filter and one of them had Jesus said, Christ. good film. And I was like, it's not even over yet. It's not over. I, I could not get over it. It was driving it's me mad. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you, was anyone dressed up in opera? Uh, no. Did, did you have any like? No, but I heard that you had someone dressed in full opera, fucking <laughs> neckbeards dressed as opera. <laughs> and I was like, the optics of that seem far worse to me than dressing up as Barbie. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think so. That feels that there's something about that is feels distasteful. Yeah. All right, Matt. I'm gonna ask you some actual questions. Oh no. Did you think it was worth watching? Yes. Did you think it was worth three hours of watching? No. Did you think it was hard to concentrate every time Einstein was on screen because he seems like such a cartoon? (laughs) No, I didn't because he was like the one of the 50 old white men in that movie that I could actually differentiate between. I was like, oh, that's Einstein. I know who that is. Who's that guy? (laughs) Well, I only could tell you... Is that off... I can tell you three people in this film that that were males, right? So yeah. I can tell you Florence Pugh all day long, right? I was Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Emily Blunt. Such a Emily Blunt didn't have sure. much to do, but whenever she did have stuff to do, Neither it was Florence very Pugh. good. Yeah. But I was going to say, but Emily Blunt, when she had stuff to do, was very good, I thought, right? Yeah. I think yeah. there's no bad performances. They were just, you know. Then there is 50 white men with dark hair. Yeah. Wearing suits, yeah. sometimes hats, yeah. all smoking, completely fucking indistinguishable from yeah. each other. And then there's and then I can no tell you, identifying characteristics. I could tell you three characters. Actually, that's not true. I remember Casey Affleck's character was like Pash or something, who was an absolutely like a, a army guy who was absolutely off his fucking tits. Who was like Ben or Matt Damon was like he's gonna kill everyone. He's a fucking yeah. lunatic and he loves killing Russians. And I was like, what a weird bit of the plot to put in that never came back. That never comes back. back. Yeah, they're just like, hey, that guy that you're talking to, he's dangerous. He's gonna kill everyone, and then they never mentioned him again. And I'm again, I know it's a historical retelling, but it just seemed unnecessary to have him in there. So him mm-hmm. and Matt Damon I can recognize because they're in army uniforms, and that's the only reason I could tell them apart. And then there was up. Op- because he's the main guy. There was Einstein, because he looks like Einstein. And there was Josh Peck, because every time he came on screen, I said, that's Josh from Drake and Josh. And it was so off-putting that Drake, that Josh from Drake and Josh was in this film and had a more prevalent role than Jack Quaid, who's the main guy in The Boys, which is still on TV. And that just (laughs) seems so strange to me. There's a lot of, like, casting. And again, as you said, all the acting's fantastic, right? Couldn't fault anyone acting-wise. But there's so yeah. many casting choices. You're like, did you need to pay Jack Quaid's wage for however much t- time it took to shoot this and not have him have a line of dialogue? <laughs> you know, it just seems crazy to me. And then, like, to get Josh Peck, 
to have like an actual quite serious moment in the film and then the whole time i'm just watched to be like that's josh <laughs> that's josh mm-hmm. from a acclaimed nickelodeon comedy drake and josh drake and josh sure and I couldn't think of anything else anytime he was on screen. It was like, he's such a distraction to the plot. Like, it was bad. <laughs> no, I didn't have any big things like that, really, that were like, oh, that's super distracting. Mm. It was very loud. Yeah. That was my main takeaway at the end. I was like, my ears hurt. <laughs> yeah, I had a real bad headache after it was over. Yeah, I think it was like, it was definitely a vibe. Mm. More than it was like a movie, I guess. Yeah. Three hours of kind of feeling a bit bad. <laughs> of just yeah, feeling bad. Mm. Yeah, whereas yeah, whereas Barbie was just like a you know bit it's of fun, wasn't it? Two hour commercial, but at least it was a good commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not going to sell any action figures. I was thinking about how fun it would be for Mattel to release line of Oppenheimer action figures. As much as that's such a. a, a clinical like businessy thing to do i think it would be funny i think they would actually probably sell it would be very funny i think that they will if you start looking online like on men's fashion kind of cunts you know yeah i bet you'll see yeah i bet you'll see a spike in sales of oppen hats yeah i hope that's what they call they start calling them oppen hats (laughs) did you find it weird that everyone called them oppie which i'm sure is what they actually called them but i did find it weird yeah it seemed really contrasting with the tone of the film that everyone kept called them oppie it felt like something that we would have called him yeah also found it funny that like there was like a weird marvel like easter egg where they mentioned jfk like it was gonna be a post-credit scene it's like one guy voted against you a young guy called John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> and then, yeah, the score goes. <laughs> you expect the score goes to go like, bam! Bum, bum, bada, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it just cuts to like fate walking Samuel down the hall. Samuel yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm putting together a project. <laughs> Being president. I need you to be in Dallas this date. <laughs> now we've got, and it's Brie Larson playing a young JFK. <laughs> It was just such a weird, like, like they were trying to set up a sequel to a film that certainly can't have a sequel. Certainly they can't make an Oppenheimer 2, the JFK years. <laughs> Do you know what I will say is a, a one huge positive, I think, of Killian Murphy? Yeah. Killian Murphy was in this film as Oppenheimer in three very distinct generations, right? There was relatively young Oppenheimer while he's making the bomb. There was Oppenheimer during the... Um, during the hearing. trial and then there was yeah. old Oppenheimer getting an award and every one of them if you'd shown me that was Killian Murphy I'd have believed that's how old he was now yes like no point was I like he looks like he's just been aged up or they've put prosthetics well on he him. did at the end in the in the in the final scene I still thought he looked pretty good comparatively I thought everybody else in that scene looked like shit <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Robert Downey Jr. looked like shit and then I looked him up and that's just what he looks like because he's old now. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that he's old. Yeah. Do you have any overriding thoughts about the film? Not really. No. I thought it was a bit fucked that they didn't show any of like the horrible shit that the Manhattan Projects did to the Native Americans. Yeah. Mostly. There was like a bit at the beginning where... Uh, Oppenheimer was like, well, this is it is this you know this land it's 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 empty from oils around, and the Indians they come up here to bury their dead, but that's about it. So we don't need to worry about that. 
Yeah. I don't even remember that bit, and I was like, that seems like something you probably should worry about. (laughs) Now we've bombed and irradiated fucking beyond repair Native American sacred land. Uh, And they're just like, yeah, no, 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 give it back to them now. Now that it's fucking beyond repair, just give it back. Now we've, if you come within 50 miles of it, you're going to get 11 types of cancer. Just give it back to them. Yeah, they're gonna. Have I was the, like, huh? They're gonna have the shitty houses we built. <laughs> yeah, them- well, exactly. Well, and the thing is, the you know, the Native Americans were also the people that were like employed, quote unquote. Yeah, to handle all the fucking radioactive material, right? And so they did that without any fucking like protective equipment or anything yeah under pretty shitty conditions not getting paid properly not getting any safety and there was just no even like a slight half a mention of that in the movie uh and i thought that was a bit cooked people have been like kicking off because obviously of the lack of like showing any of the japanese side of the story yeah but to me that feels more you know, not showing the the, the the stuff that was happening with the Native Americans seems more egregious to me because I can kind of see from a from a story point of view, you're not telling the story of the atomic bomb. You know, you're telling yeah. the story of Austin, right? In yeah, and that very much movie. is, and that's very much part of like part you know part of really mm-hmm. part of Austin's story is that he did it and he never had to actually reckon with the consequences. He never had to see any of that shit that came out. You know, yeah. Um, whereas what they were doing to, to the Native Americans were very much was a part of Austin specifically story. Yeah. Um, and you would have thought in three hours, we could have maybe had some of that representation and maybe taken out two or three of the old white men. Yeah. It did seem like there was a lot of superfluous men. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There were a lot of superfluous men. Like... Which, I don't know, isn't that a bloody metaphor for history? <laughs> Am I right? Bloody And I get that it is a historical retelling, but, like, you never he, like, has the first quantum physics class and one guy comes in and he's like, oh, sorry, yeah. I must be in the wrong place. And he's like, no, you're not. And he just starts teaching him. Yeah. That, that's, like, set up, like, again, like an Avengers thing, where it's like, oh, he's mm-hmm. going to be one of the team. And he's just not really anything. He's there. No, but like, you mean, he's not, like... He doesn't really have like dialogue. It's, it's like one of those things you're like, you don't need He's to- just like a guy that occasionally says, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And then he's not because he yeah. turns out to be a communist and he yeah. gets killed by Casey Affleck, probably. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's just one of, those, one of those weird things where you're like, don't keep setting up like as if someone's going to be important and then not include them in like, do you mean like the actual plot of the film? It's just yeah. like, and again, I know you can't have every character is like important, like central to the plot. But there was just so, and they all just because they all did look so similar. Surely Chris Nolan would have watched this and just be like, "Oh, I reckon all these men look exactly the same." I do. <laughs> well, no, because one of Christopher Nolan's things is he fucking like has this weird like semi-religious hard on for influ- powerful, influential men, right? Yeah, yeah. That's his like whole thing. So probably he knows, like, he can differentiate within, like, you know. Mm. a heartbeat he's like oh yeah that's that guy and he did this and this and this and this and was very important and i love him yeah i think the more and more i think about it I like it less <laughs> yeah yeah i, I think so i, 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 don't I think, think it was it was a hell of a thing to watch at the cinema yeah i will say that much in a big screen with big speakers it's a hell of a thing to watch and then you come away from it and you go eh. 
Do you know what I think it is? It's like it's an avatar. In fact, it's it's it's, it's what I would liken it to. It's a big, long cinematic thing that you know somebody the the, the director spent a very long time making sure it was a technical marvel mm-hmm. and you know doing inventing all this stuff and making sure being very particular and creating a incredible sensory experience yeah you know like cause you, i don't know did you watch avatar for the first when it came out in theaters the first time in, in 3d yeah and it was like the first film that was built from the ground up for 3D and they built new cameras for it. And yeah, they did yeah. all this crazy shit. And you went in there and you were like, fuck me. Yeah. And you never seen anything like it, you know? Mm. And then you went to watch it on home video and you were like, oh, hang on, this movie sucks. Yeah. This is a bad film. And I was suckered in by how like good it felt to watch. I think Av- I think you've made a very good analogy there because I remember watching Avatar for the first time again in a cinema. And... Even at the time, being like, I don't really like the plot of this, but I entirely get what's happening and I get why people like it. Do you mean like I, mm-hmm. I got it? And then afterwards, I just was like, I'll never watch that again. And I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's the same <laughs> thing with, with Up, where I'm like, do you know what? It, I cannot actually point to this and be like, this is a bad film. And technically, it's very good. And there's a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff. Even, it's just it, not for. Yeah, it's just Me. not for me, like, and that's fine. And it's like I've seen people give it five star reviews, and everyone who's given a five star review, I've read their review of it. And I'm like, I can't argue with why you like it, but it's just yeah. not something I'll ever want to have it. I will ever care to like. I'm never gonna sit down with like my partner and be like, oh, well, we'll just watch a movie. You tonight. know, let's, what, let's, let's just pop let's, one up and hide. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's just never gonna happen to me. I think like, no. there's all there's long films I'll watch, but oh sure, I'll, am I gonna watch a very sad man? become death while coming inside a woman <laughs> which if you haven't seen Oppenheimer and I don't know why you're listening to this because it's huge spoilers if you haven't but the fact that he says I am become death while he's balls deep in Florence Pugh is fucked <laughs> it's very very funny yeah and then whenever it, it, it comes up again the film they just use the audio clip of the last time he doesn't even say it it's just he doesn't even say it he's just, yeah. he's just he watches the he's, bomb go he's and watching the bomb go man remember when I was coming in Florence Pugh <laughs> That was fucking sick. Yeah, and again, understands a historical recreation, etc. Florence Pugh's character is so poorly treated, and again, I know it's accurate yeah. to what's happened. Has nothing to do in the movie. It is just so baffling. Honestly, I think if Emily Blunt hadn't had the one scene where she gets to just go off for like five minutes on like a little personal attack on the american government and communism and stuff i'm like yeah. no one no one sans penis has anything to do with this well this again film. that's a christopher nolan trope man yeah. cannot write a female character does not know what to do with them has maybe never met a woman yeah very odd but again you know it is what it feels like to me is like the logical end point right you know the kind of platonic ideal of the sort of old school auteur fucking white guy director you know it feels like if stanley kubrick had been like had discovered the philosopher's stone yeah (laughs) and you know been allowed to make movies forever this is what he would have made yeah right it's just that kind of very old hollywood thing of like oh this is a 
man who knows how to make a movie and we're going to let him do it and he's going to make it four hours long and it's going to be exclusively men and they're all going to be old and it's going to be very important and it's all going to have gravitas. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. I don't care. Show me one other perspective, Hollywood. You said the exact the exact phrase that really bothers me about films like this, where they're like, it's an important film, and I'm like, yeah, that, do, you what, do you know what? That's fair enough, but if it is important, it's probably important to people other than white men. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, we can maybe see another perspective, and I get I, it that it was the 40s, white men were the default, right? Yeah. But it, that, we don't have to treat it that way these days. Other people were there. Yeah, you don't have to tell it how it would have been written in the 40s. Do you know what I mean? You can tell it now how we now understand it having... Arguably, y- it's y- only important if you've got something new to say. Yeah. And I do want, I'm going to bring up the thing I said to you before, Matt, and this is off pod. But I said the whole thing of, like, especially now with the strikes in mind, I do really feel like there should be a period of time if it's two weeks or a month or even just a fucking weekend where all cinemas and all around the world should not be allowed to show like block but like you know like yeah i think it should be entirely independent cinema just for that period of time make it a whole big fucking event that's like you're gonna go and see movies you've not seen before from people mm-hmm. you haven't seen before actors you've not seen before and it'll broaden your horizons it'll broaden yeah. what you think of as films and i think it would make such a difference and then I think- i'm starting to think and this is a problem this is a real dickhead opinion yeah and i'm fully aware of that but my my new platform that I'm running for president of Hollywood on is this. Five blockbusters a year. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But you get five, right? And you can still be Disney. You can still be... There's only Disney now. You can still be Disney. You can still be <laughs> Warner Brothers. You can still be Paramount, right? MGM? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think MGM's owned by Amazon now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um... The point is, you can still be those huge, you know, maybe there's, let's say there's five big studios, right? Yeah. They all get one huge movie, mm-hmm. right? You've got, you're allowed to spend $300 million on one film a year. Because yeah. I think that's enough. Like, I don't want to see more than like five huge fucking spectacle movies a year. Mm-hmm. It's too many. I want to see one every couple of months. Yeah. Right. And then other than that, the rest of their thing should be limited to like a maximum of 50 million. Yeah. And then and, and, and also the blockbusters are the only ones that the studios are allowed creative control over. Yeah. Right? So you can make one Marvel movie a year and Kevin Feige gets to do what he likes with that. He can be as controlling as he possibly wants. Mm-hmm. Every single other film that Disney makes, they just have to give a director... Twenty million dollars, mm-hmm. and then they get a movie. Yeah, they're not allowed to look it. at it. That's the deal. They're not allowed to look at it. They're not allowed to do anything to it. <laughs> they're not allowed to have a say. They just pick a script. They give them twenty million, and then it comes out in theaters. I think that's good. I like it. Also, I do know the fact that immediately the first month that happens, someone releases a film that's just two hours of a guy playing the piano and saying, "I fucking hate Disney" over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and I go to see that movie. Yeah. I'd support that. And all other like the trailer that you've seen of the film that this is not relevant to at all is just playing on a loop on the TV behind them so that they can't mm-hmm. claim that they're showing you something wasn't in the trailer. Yeah, I saw. Um, there's a film coming out called Again Again, mm-hmm. uh, which has just finished principal photography. It's by a really wonderful writer called Mia Moore, 
on... Mm-hmm. Do I know Mia Moore's name? Yes, uh, she did cynical cartoons on Sans Pants uh, for a while. Yes. And so she's, been, she's around that sort of community. Mm-hmm. And she just finished shooting that. And they crowdfunded, I think, for about $80,000, maybe $100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly what number it was. It may yeah. even have been less than that. Um, but the point is that she put a tweet out that I saw and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is fucked. And it was, you know, the clip of Amelia Clark in Secret Wars that's been going round uh, where she grows a big arm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that. It was a quote tweet of that. Uh, and it was like, for the amount of the, the, this film costs to make and market, we could have made again again 4,000 times. Jesus Christ. We could have made 4,000 queer indie films with something to say with the budget of this piece of Marvel, another piece of Marvel shit. But instead, we made this. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's fucked. That's not cool. I don't like that that's the way that cinema works now. Yeah. Someone said to me the other day, and this is going a whole different um, topic, but it, I think it is relevant to this, about how like people who watch sports um, have a really warped perception of how much movies cost because they're like, Oh, this movie cost one Marcus Rashford, and you're like that. Neither, neither way is that good. No. <laughs> neither way is that okay. You, there should be no one in the world who you pay fifty million pounds for them to to play a sport, and there should be no one in the world that pays fifty million pounds to make a movie and it not even fucking affect the slightest pocket change of them. <laughs> I mean, like, mm-hmm. This is just not how funds should work. People should be able no. to make creative things nice like and well and good and proper with their vision without having to take out a mortgage on every person that lives in Ireland. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Which is why, yeah, there should be a fund. And maybe even like, maybe even it's, t- it's, too, it's too draconian to say one a year, right? Yeah. I'd just say whatever money you spend on blockbusters, you have to match that in donations to indie filmmakers yeah that was perfect i i, I know obviously like not to go back to the old, the point i was making before but friend of the show daggett had mentioned the fact that whenever i said a thing about independent film only for like a month or whatever yeah. apparently in south korea they do do like two weeks a year where they only show south korean made films in the uh-huh. cinema and i'm like that that's a start right no that doesn't mean yeah. you can't have a blockbuster but at least then you know you're literally well, at least getting... then it's yeah you're you're encouraging local talent yeah, and there's only going to be so many films released, right? Like, and I, I, I'm not saying a small country, but I mean, like, comparative to how many films are made in America. Sure, like, well, and so, you know, and South Korea does have a really excellent yeah. um, movie production yeah. scene, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. But I was thinking, if you did that kind of thing, where, like, you did that in the UK, you like, we still have, like, a relatively prosperous, like, filmmaking like, yeah, yeah. scene, but at the same time, you would just get stuff you won't see see otherwise you know what I mean like, like it'd just be it's just nice to have something different than the normal without I like you know what you might say something shit you might but at least you'll go into it and be like well the thing that was shit I saw cost the same amount as if I went and watched something that was 600 million pounds and also shit because it's mm-hmm. the fucking Hulk being like here's my CGI son <laughs> 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 
You know, like yeah. at, at least it's different. It's just nice to have a bit of variety, and I'm just uh, well. At least you'll like have an emotion about it, you know, as opposed to Marvel film number six hundred that you go into, stare into the middle distance for two hours and come out of. Yeah, for sure. Remember whenever movies you know, used to be stories and either just sad. setups to setups with a vague memory of a plot <laughs> because Marvel has wiped our ability to enjoy yeah. stories. I don't remember anything about this movie. I remember quips ah, and sadness. Speaking of plot, do you want me to read the actual plot of Oppenheimer? I think let's see how close we got to. Um, I know it was a couple of weeks ago now that we did. I reckon we've got pretty close. Look, they, they certainly went to our place. And did make the bomb. Yeah. Which to be like, you know, they did do that. They did all go to camp, I guess. Some people were having sex. Yeah. I saw it. Not enough of it. Banging everyone's wife. Speaking of which, just as a side note before I get into this, did you find it weird that there was just a whole subplot where they're like, Emily Blunt hates our kid. And then they just reveal later that they had a second child, despite the fact Emily Blunt couldn't deal with the child. Yeah, they went to the communist people and they were like, Hey, take away our child. <laughs> I reckon just don't have the second kid, personally. Yeah. I just, I don't, just, why would you do it? Why did you do that, Emily Blunt? Why do you have another child? Very weird. Anyway, here's the real plot. It's what really happened, didn't it? Stereotypical Oppenheimer, or Oppenheimer, and a wide range of fellow Oppenheimers all reside in Oppenheimer land. A matriarchal society where women are self-confident, self-sufficient, now, and successful. Now, hang on. What? Now, hang on a second here. Are you okay? <laughs> well, I just carry on. You know what? No, I'm, it's been a while. I, I, had, I saw it last week. There's a good chance I've just forgotten. Carry on. No problem. I understand it's been a while. You know. it's, it's very possible we've all forgotten what's happened, but this is the plot from Wikipedia, so I'm just going to carry on. Uh, Oppenheimer land, a matriarchal society where women are self-confident, self-sufficient and successful, while their atomic bomb counterparts spend their days engaging in recreational activities at the beach the Oppenheimers hold all important job positions, such as doctors lawyers and politicians Beach atomic bomb, or atomic bomb, is only happy when he is with Oppenheimer and seeks a close relationship but Oppenheimer rebuffs him in favour of independence and female friendship I guess so, well they were all partying Quite a lot. And Oppenheimer (laughs) didn't want to hang out with... Everybody was partying. Not necessarily the atomic bomb, but like, you know, Einstein. um, And they were goofing off to to go to the beach, and he was just trying to do his work. All right, look, (laughs) I've just read ahead. There's a good chance that I've made a mistake, and I think it'll be abundantly clear what's happened. Okay. During a dance party, Oppenheimer suddenly struck atomic bomb with worries. Ah! (laughs) Yeah. You figure out the the less you have had there, can you? I'm starting to get a picture of what might have happened here. <laughs> anyway, let me carry on. During the dance party, Oppenheimer suddenly struck atomic bomb with worries about mortality. Okay, you might say that Oppenheimer has become deaf. The next day, she finds she can no longer complete her usual routine and discovers her fate have gone flat and she's cellulite. Oh, that'll be the uh, that'll be the radiation. Yeah, that's the radiation. Yeah, absolutely. Weird Oppenheimer. Weird Oppenheimer. <laughs> it's very funny. Weird Oppenheimer, weird but disfigured outcast tells her that to cure her affliction, she must travel into the real world and find the child playing with her. <laughs> I don't remember 
Anybody playing with Oppenheimer, really? Florence Pugh played with him a bit, mentally. That's true. And balls. <laughs> yes, and his balls, that's true. <laughs> On the way to the real world, Oppenheimer finds the atomic bomb stowed away in the convertible and reluctantly allows <laughs> him to join. And <laughs> found an atomic bomb in the back and you're like, ah, oh, you can, I guess so. Come yeah, on, atomic bomb. Not good, is it? <laughs> All right, here's a great line. Arriving at Venice Beach, Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb cause multiple <laughs> antics. <laughs> oh, what are they getting up to next? <laughs> oh, they would. They would cause so many antics. Anyway, sorry. Arriving at Venice Beach, Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb cause multiple antics, <laughs> alarming the Mattel CEO who orders their capture. Oppenheimer tracks down her owner, a tween girl named Sasha, who criticizes her for encouraging unrealistic beauty standards. Distraught, Oppenheimer discovers that Gloria, a Mattel employee and Sasha's mother, is the, is the catalyst for her existential crisis. Gloria began to play with Sasha's old Oppenheimer toys while experiencing her own identity crisis, inadvertently transferring her concerns to Oppenheimer. <laughs> Mattel attempts to put Oppenheimer in a toy box for remanufacturing, but but escapes with Gloria and Sasha's help, and the three travel to Oppenheimer land with the Mattel CEO and high-ranking executives in hot pursuit. (laughs) Meanwhile, Atomic Bomb learns about the patriarchal system (laughs) and feels respected and accepted for the first time. Returning to Oppenheimer land, he persuades other Atomic Bombs to take over, and the Oppenheimers are subjugated in submissive roles such as maids, housewives, and agreeable girlfriends. Oppenheimer arrives and tries to convince Atomic Bomb and the Oppenheimers to return to the way things were, only to be rebuffed. She becomes depressed, but Gloria gives an inspirational speech about Cincinnati's conflicting opinions of women and restores Oppenheimer's self-confidence. <laughs> With the assistance of Sasha, weird Oppenheimer Josh Peck, and the other discontinued dolls. <laughs> I forgot I didn't find a new place for Alan and Josh Peck. <laughs> Who'd have thought this would be our best ever bit? Oh, oh God. <laughs> <sighs> Gloria uses her messagings on all the Oppenheimers to bring them out of their subordinate behaviours. The restored Oppenheimers then manipulate the atomic bombs to fight amongst themselves and be distracted from altering the constitution to enshrine male superiority, while the Oppenheimers regain their positions of power. In the process, they also realize the error of their previous societal system and decide to make some changes in Oppenheimer land, including better treatment for the atomic bombs and all the outcast dolls. Oppenheimer and the Atomic Bomb apologise to each other and acknowledge their failings. Atomic Bomb bemoans that he has no identity or purpose without Oppenheimer, to which Oppenheimer encourages him to find an autonomous identity. Oppenheimer, who remains unsure of their own purpose and identity, meets with the spirit of Mattel co-founder Albert Einstein, who explains that Oppenheimer's story has no set ending and their ever-evolving history surpasses that of her roots. After the Oppenheimers, atomic bombs, and Mattel executives bid Oppenheimer goodbye, she decides to become a human and return to the real world. Sometime later, Gloria, her husband, and Sasha take Oppenheimer, now going by the name Robbie Oppenheimer, to his first gynecological appointment. The end. What a magical movie. How close do you think we were? I think we were surprisingly close. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. 
That was a lot of hijinks in there that we got pretty... Yeah. Uh, was, my favorite bit is when the atomic bombs learned about the patriarchal system. Yeah, that was good. I like that bit. <laughs> my favorite bit was when Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb caused <laughs> various hijinks on Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> God, the really the story of it is much um much lighter than I recall. Yeah, truly. Crazy to think you could stretch that plot over three hours. Yeah, well there was a lot of bits where it was just like Oppenheimer having, you know, physics visions, right? Yeah. That yeah. took up a good hour. Yeah. And um, all of the um all of Cillian Murphy's erect penis. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, anything else you'd like to discuss? Let's talk about this. It's the end of Nolan month. Okay. And I know we did it a bit mm. at the end of Oppenheimer. Did we do it last last time, last episode? I'm not, I think so, possibly. But having now come definitively to the end of Nolan month and having watched a Nolan film recently, mm-hmm. what are your now having, you know, having been through this journey, this spiritual quest? Yeah. Have your feelings changed on Nolan? What are your? Are you more? Do you feel like you're a more nuanced Nolan enjoyer now? Do you know what? I actually think a bit, but I think I'm more of a Nolan enjoyer in that I now understand that I'm not going to like a lot of his films. Uh-huh. If that makes sense, and I think that this is exactly the Avatar analogy you made, where I'm like, some of these films are just never going to be what I want to watch. Even yeah. though I can look at them like this, technically very impressive. It's shot very well, you know, all that stuff. But I just not like. Someone told me I have an action film for you where people have items that travel backwards in time while you are going in the same process in time. I'd be like, that sounds sick. Let's watch it. If you then told me it's like a very slow three-hour drama where the main guy doesn't have a name and it's about art theft, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck about this. I don't care yeah. anymore. Yeah, and it's like, but that, but also, I know people who've seen Tenet who love it, right? Sure. I know people who've seen Dark Knight who hate it, which is the one that I I relatively like, and I'm like, yeah. that's fine. But I don't think anyone could look at those films and say these are made poorly. No, the film well, that's aspect the thing. Is made like, early, yeah. None of at the end of the day, none of the films that we do and that we cover are bad films. Yeah, because they're you know they're all classics and they're classics for a reason. Well, and they're all made by. <laughs> We've recorded one that's not come out yet that <laughs> I think is a bad film. <laughs> that is about twins, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll figure. We'll see if that one comes out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you cannot. You obviously you can't say that Nolan's a bad filmmaker. Because you're it's disingenuous to do that, right? You'd be a, yeah. you'd be a liar, and um, you know, you, you, it's it, it, it's not it's a dishonest argument, I think, mm. to say that Christopher Nolan is a bad director because clearly he isn't. His films are visually spectacular, and mm-hmm. he clearly has a point of view, you know, and he has a style and he has a vision. He is he is an he is an auteur, and all of the good and bad that that implies. Yeah. And, yeah, if you don't like that, then you're really not going to like him. I think I have a fair compromise for how we could review him. Yeah. He's a good director and a good filmmaker, and he is a scattered storyteller. (laughs) Yes. 
he is perfectly good at making the films. He's perfectly good at directing the the scenes, the cameras, all that stuff. You know, like the actors. He gets he gets good acting out of people. You know. Yeah. But maybe he just needs to have someone do a second to look over the scripts a lot of the time. So that I seems saw, to be the problem. I I saw an interview, and it's just one story that a really annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, fuck off, fuck off with this shit. Yeah. Uh, and be like, really encapsulates, I think, Nolan as a writer mm-hmm. and as a filmmaker. And if you think this, this is clever and cool, then you probably will like his movies. And if you think that it's pretentious and douchebaggy, you probably won't like his movies, right? Mm-hmm. So it was Killian Murphy talking about the, reading the script for Oppenheimer. And he was like, it was what, you know. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was crazy. It was genius. I was like, I have to do this movie. What he'd done was he'd written the script in the first person. So he'd written it from the point of view of Oppenheimer. So if it was like, instead of it being Oppenheimer walks across the room, it would be I walked across the room. Yeah. And I was like, get fucked, Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But some people are going to hear that and go, oh, what a genius, what a visionary. And you're not wrong yeah. if you think that, right? Yeah. But I also don't think I'm wrong to think he's a piece of shit for doing it. Uh, yeah, it's just very different. It's different wants and needs from media, right? And yeah. that's f- fine. But also, I think it's a bit wanky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you want my last little bit of trivia about Oppenheimer before we go that I heard on um, the radio yesterday? Yeah. Uh, the physical film reel for Oppenheimer, if you let it out flat, is 11 miles. Uh, the average human speed to walk, 11 miles is three hours, so you could, in theory, walk it and watch it at the same time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So if you ever want to do a very distressing three-mile walk, I've got one so you. you. Yeah, if you attach yourself to the end of the reel. Yeah, and just walk, walk the film. <laughs> You could watch it like on your phone and watch the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> good. Well, let us know if anybody, if anybody in the in the chat, I was not in the chat. Uh, <laughs> if anyone listening has done that, let us. Maybe that's the op- the the optimum way to to enjoy Oppenheimer. Well, that's what we'll do for Nolan Month next year because I assume that's the only person we're doing a month on every year. I assume yeah, we're probably. just going to keep doing Nolan. We'll just go back <laughs> to the same films. We'll start doing ones we have seen. What do you reckon happens in the prestige film we both have seen? No, no, in Sapsta film we both have seen, but don't remember. <laughs> um, oh man, I reckon that Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, turns out to be Robin. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's huge. Yeah, and then he goes to Killian Murphy, and as he's counting sheep to try and get to sleep, and but he goes there in his mind, and he punches one of the sheep, yeah. knocks it out, and he drags it behind a hedge, and then he just <laughs> writes like give a different corporation all of your money on the side of the sheep and then he sends it back out again can i just say just while we're talking about chris Nolan, thinking he's more clever than he is yeah the bit at the end of dark Knight rises where it's like oh you should use your christian name i like that much more robin is one of the worst lines in any movie yeah well again that's the jfk moment right yeah in in dark Knight. um yeah ah fuck it fuck it Fuck him. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) You've turned around just the remembering the Dark Knight Rises (laughs) has turned you back around on Christopher Nolan. But before we go, there is someone here who'd like to... Oh my God. Marty's dead. Again? (laughs) 
Oh my god. He's died he's again. Oh, wait. this is a chrysalis. Oh no, he's shed. <laughs> Who knows oh, what no. he's become? He's, he's, he's entered a cocoon. He's <laughs> evolving. <laughs> Anyway, this is how we're going to figure out who's doing our next miniseries. That chrysalis is going to gonna pop open and it's going to be fucking Greta Gerwig. It'll be David <laughs> Aloof in there. Oh, we're going to do Prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. All right. An All enemy. Right. Uh, is that Denny? Is that Denny? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? We you got any, any media to suggest before we leave? Probably. Let's have um, a look at my letterbox. I've watched films. I've been watching Barry. Oh yeah, how's Barry? The, Bi- the Bill Hader show. That was pretty good. There's um some real full on because so the basic concept of of Barry is that he is a hitman who decides he wants to be an actor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And there's some very full on like hitman stuff in the first few episodes. Right. But a lot of it's still very funny. And like Bill Hader. I know some people could find Bill Hader funny. I generally think he's pretty good. Yeah, Bill Hader is pretty funny. I think so. He's good in this. Good. He pl- he plays like a quite stressed man very well, and also Henry Winkler's in it, and he's good. Well, there we go then. Watch Barry. Yeah. Does Henry Winkler ever hit a jukebox with his fist to make it work? No, but at one and point he's go, very. Hey. At one point, he's very, very rude to a woman and tells her she'll never be an actress, so she starts crying, and then he says, use it, use it, <laughs> and pushes her back on stage. That's good. Yeah. I like that. So, I, I yeah, I have a TV recommendation, Okay, right. uh, and it is Deadlock. Ah, yes. That I haven't finished yet, so who knows, maybe it gets really shit, but the first half of it has been exceptional television. Cool. An Australian kind of parody of like prestige crime dramas yeah yeah yeah. like you know you're sort of your your david tennant broad churches your yeah swedish cozy sweater depressing murder shows mm-hmm. um it feels a bit it feels a bit mel brooks ish oh, yeah. like f- actually funny <laughs> eat shit mel brooks anyway point is deadlock very funny uh hmm. it's got a f- bunch of real talented Australians in it, mm-hmm. um, and if yeah, if you if you, I think you'll get a lot more out of it if you really like that kind of prestige murder show, which I haven't really yeah. seen a lot of. I mm. imagine there's a lot more like kind of parody and stuff in there that yeah, you'll yeah. get if you do watch a lot of those shows. But even if you don't, and I don't, it's still just like it's really you know the, the subversive and it's very mm. funny uh, and it's also a great mystery. You know, the drama cool. in there is also fucking sick. Nina Ayama's in it, and she is great. Very funny. Yeah, very, very funny. Uh, so watch that, and also watch Deadstream, which is a comedy horror movie, uh, kind of micro-budget film about a cancelled streamer who's trying to get back into the limelight by doing a stream in a haunted house mm. uh, and ends up getting getting spooked for real. Oh. oh, oh. Uh, and it's found footage, so it's all done like as if he's live on stream. Mm. And it's like a husband and wife team who wrote, directed, starred in it. They composed the music, they edited it. It's fucking crazy how much they did. Um, and the guy, again, if you watch streams at all, Mm-hmm. If you're aware of the online world, you're going to get so much out of this. 
because he just really nails like the douchebag streamer or like the douchebag yeah. prank YouTuber yeah, kind yeah. of vibe so well. It's got like one of the my best things about it is when he he's got like a little tape player. So it, the 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 film has a score. Mm-hmm. But in order to get the score in there, he's like, I wrote my own spooky music specifically for this stream. <laughs> and he just pops a tape in his Walkman and starts <laughs> playing it like, out loud on the stream. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I like Which that. I think is great. Just a real, yeah. <laughs> a real nice touch. It's very low budget. It's got some fantastic practical effects in it. Mm. Go watch it. It's on Shudder. Well, obviously, I'll never have Shudder for obvious reasons. But I do have means of watching things. <laughs> yeah, legal means. Yeah. Legal means is my name. Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite pasta dish. <laughs> uh, yeah. And again, just to reiterate, folks, support WGA, uh, support SAG-AFTRA. Yeah, absolutely. Doing strike action. The main thing I think we should support is Ron Perlman burning down Bob Iger's house. which I think Support is a Ron Perlman going to Bob uh, Iger's house and hitting him with a sock full of oranges. Mm. Um, Fill that sock, Ron. Let it fly through. Uh, if you want to help out, there is a bunch of ways you can do so. The main one being giving money to the Strike Support Fund so that writers, uh, actors, you know, people who would rather be working... Uh, but are now striking and are not getting paid, can continue to live. Please do that if you can. And, you know, follow guidelines to not support struck works. Uh, We've done our best here to make sure that we're not crossing picket lines. Yeah, I think we did pretty well. Hopefully we've managed to to do that and still talk about some stuff. I don't think a picket line's even been in our peripheral vision this whole time. Just one quick anecdote. I did say that... um, the actor who played Roy on The Office was saying something like, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'm just going to put this in very simple terms, knowing this is wildly inaccurate. But it was something like his residuals from The Office were like $100 a month or something. And then whenever The Office got sold to Netflix, he got like a one-off $200 check and then never got paid for any of the residuals from streaming services again. So he got like two months' pay for something that is like the most viewed show on Netflix for like four or five years. So like that just shows you the disparity of pay now that streaming services have come into effect really. Yep, it's yeah, pretty no fucked. Good. It's all very bad and everyone is too rich. Yeah. If you look at what strikers are asking for, it's not what they're asking for is not even yeah. a fair and equ- and a fair and equitable pay, you know? They're just asking for ever so slightly more. Yeah. Than yep. they currently have. Yeah, they're asking for the bare minimum. Like they're they're asking to survive. <laughs> they're asking to live. They're not asking for loads. Like yeah, they could yeah they could accomplish this and not have to give up anything. And the studios won't come to the table is fucked beyond belief. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Bob Iger is so rich that he could be he could have half the amount of money he currently has, and it wouldn't affect his life at all. But everyone would have a much better life. It's crazy. Shout out to A24. Shout out to A24. Who agreed to all of the requests. Good on them. And are now allowed to keep filming because they were just like, oh yeah, these, this is this yep. is reasonable. So Good we'll just them. give it to you. And if, you know, smaller studios, I understand A24 is not a small studio, but in terms of... Yeah, comparatively. Film studios, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if independent studios can make those concessions and still 
make money. Oh, fucking Disney. Then there's absolutely no reason that Disney can't do it. So, yeah, yeah, support the strikes. uh, Donate to the thing if you can. And if you want to do any more than that, you know, the best place to go is obviously the WGA or SAG-AFTRA Twitter accounts. Um, Mm -hmm. There's lots of information out there. Um, Adam Conover from College Humor, Adam Ruins Everything, etc., is putting out a, a huge amount of really good information from the picket lines. Good on them. Um, and has a bunch of suggestions and so on of ways that you can help. Thank you, Adam, for your work. People talking about stopping out of the cinema, cancelling their subscriptions and so on. I don't think that's necessarily what they're asking for, so do check mm-hmm. before you make any moves. And apart from that, have a good time. Nah, fuck you. Get the fuck off, everyone can eat my arse. And everybody can kiss my cheek and I'll tuck you into bed and give you a little hot chocolate uh, and tell you that you're very handsome. Hey Matt, it's a good day to be a bad boy, but it's an even better day to pay everyone a living wage and let them just fucking, you know, get on with their lives and not worry and stress my money. It's like always a great day to pay people enough to live on. Always a great day. And also, I've heard, to be a poster boy. Mm. Oh, one of the finest is I have become poster <laughs> destroyer of <laughs> <Doer> boys. Of boys. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>